We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Happy Friday to everyone. It's for the Culture Friday right here. The Anora Boys are in the building. Brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you do so. Responsibly. You got to do it responsibly. Our guy, John Garcia Jr., state of recruiting over at CFB Nation with us. Matter of fact, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, all of our great content, all of our great shows, State of Recruiting, CFB, All-American, the All-American Show. Man, leave us five stars. Leave your comments. We greatly appreciate it. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know, we spin it different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So he's going to join us, and we have some interesting topics to discuss today. We'd like to start off by saying thank you to John Sott, Notre Dame's punter, who just announced on Twitter that he was hanging up his cleats and not pursuing uh, NFL dreams. And for a young man that did undergrad at Harvard and grad at Notre Dame, I'm sure he'll be okay. I'm pretty, I, think he, I think he'll be okay. I think that's a sound decision. But thank him for his efforts on the field this past year and blessings to him and whatever he does moving forward. Mario Cristobal fired Josh Gaddis this morning, left. That's I can't wait to talk to John Garcia Jr. about that. That's that's bananas, bro. Fighting. Get him up out of here. Talk about that just a little bit. Left. Interesting. Talk Notre Dame. We're going to talk roster management, right? Someone asked us a question yesterday during the show. I believe it was Doma Wap about Marcus Freeman having discussions with players about whether or not they have a place on the roster. And would would you please let people know, especially those that might be on the side of, you know, high and mightiness when it comes to life and or they just might think things are black and white right or wrong can you enlighten people about what the letter of intent really means because most people think when you sign the letter of intent to commit to a university you have a four-year contract no you definitely sign year to year and so they I mean, you know, being a respectable university, they honor the four years, but it's always been you sign that piece of paper. It clearly says for one year at a time. (laughs) So maybe it's the insurance thing or how they do it, but you definitely got to sign on every year. So I think that, uh, it's interesting that when people don't know that, they just think you get four years scot-free. But even when you win the lottery, you don't win the whole lottery. You got to get taxes taken out. And then you got to get state taxes taken out, you know, so depending on where you at. So it's a lot of things that happen. You just, or like when you win like a car on Wheel of Fortune or something. You definitely you have to pay the taxes. You know, and you got to pay taxes for where you live at and where you're getting it from. Mm-hmm. So it's like you damn near don't want the free car. <laughs> so it's a lot. True story. This couple in my dad's church back in the day went on Wheel of Fortune and won uh, a Chevy. I forget the vehicle. They won a vehicle and they ended up selling it. Basically, they ended up selling it because it was like taxes and getting it here from L.A. to Chicago. 
right? Because you would think like, man, just go back to Chicago and just go to a Chevy dealership and no, you literally won that car in the in that's right on stage, right? (laughs) And you know, it was just shocking all the red tape that went with that. It was absolutely amazing, bro. So when you think about it, man, you're right. When we talk about roster management, and I can't wait to have our Brit bro, John Garcia Jr. jump in with us momentarily to really talk about this, man, because, you know, people ask for so much when it comes to these college football fan bases, right? I can only imagine the expectations, say, that Deion Sanders has from the Buffalo fan base, right? Like some will be realistic and say, hey, this is a heck of a rebuild. And some just automatically say, oh, man, he turned Jackson State around. Man, we should be battling for a national championship like next year. Yeah. Like, and managing a roster in college football is one of the most tedious, but yet and still, if you're doing it right, probably one of the most transparent things you can do as a head coach. But the admissions process for Notre Dame in general is more ruthless than a football recruiting roster management situation. Are you speaking just specifically Notre Dame or are you talking about college football at large? Specifically Notre Dame in comparison to the college football team and how they roster manage one or two guys. Just imagine your your daughter gets a 4.5 in valedictorian and mm-hmm. still don't get in. What about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody care about that? Well, the rule came down yesterday where it looks like moving forward, athletes will, will only have to worry about their GPA and won't have to worry about standardized testing. I'm very interested in how that impacts Notre Dame and admissions with young athletes. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But there are so many factors to this left, right? Now with the transfer portal, as open as it is, why do we really care about that one-year contract and coaches having conversations, transparent, honest conversations with young men about their career. It's like, look, this is where you are here at Notre Dame on the depth chart. If you still aspire to matriculate to the NFL, you might want to go somewhere else to give yourself a better chance of doing that. That's an honest conversation. And because- yeah, it's, it's definitely not the wrong conversation to have. That's the conversation that's most truthful for a player to uh, accept, I think it's different than a breakup because a breakup, uh, you know, you don't really know. You know, you don't really know what happens after. But in a conversation like this, you know you got a couple years left. You need to take advantage of it at a fresh start. And there's nothing wrong with a fresh start, but, you know, provided them telling you. Now, it's one thing to them not to tell you. Yeah which is an issue, and I think that's wrong of coaches because some coaches don't tell you and then leave. Fact. 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 I think that's the best way and the most honest way of keeping a program healthy is by being honest to the kid and being like, look, there's plenty of schools. 
But if you want to play, it's not going to be here. And that's yeah. fair. He told Drupine yeah. that Drupine was like, you know what? You're right. I got three years. I can go to a rebuilding school, play all the time, have a great time. Great choice of Arizona State. Definitely not the same academic standards. So it's going to be a breeze, probably a long vacation for Drew Pine, you know. So I think Marcus Freeman did him a, a, a due diligence and did him a service, but also did the program a service because that way he can then understand. Uh, he can then understand, okay, I can open up my market faster. Mm -hmm. I can put the quarterback on sale for sign uh, on my front line a lot quicker. Because now I know Drew's going, you know, not hanging around. So I think the transition of roster management is very healthy. And anything when you hoard on anything is not good for you. So I think it provides players the, the best uh, access to keep themselves relevant because you got to think you got the transfer portal as open as it is. Yeah. You can leave the next day. Yeah. And it's funny because those people, the, oh, the people that are upset with Marcus Freeman are the same people that would look at a team in the NBA and say, stop shooting threes. Like, we don't like you shooting threes, but we want you to win a championship in today's NBA. You can't. Like what they said, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid need to play in the, in the uh, post. Why? No, that's, that, we get to that. That's totally different. That's just Joel Embiid being lazy. He's just being lazy. He's what? just being lazy. He's being lazy. We'll get to that on the petty train. But Joel needs to hush. <laughs> he needs to hush. Dude, you say you're the biggest thing on the court and you just want to shoot threes. You're being lazy. Being lazy. Let's bring in our, our bro, man, John Garcia Jr., who, man, I'm sure he's he's happy to get a break, right? Because he's coming off a bowl season, the end of uh, – all-star season, the end of recruiting, and kind of a break in between the next national signing day. But uh, I don't think he gets any breaks left because he, he's on daddy duty in between that, and that's probably more tiring than anything else that he does. Let's bring in our guy, John Garcia Jr., host of the State of Recruiting Podcast. John, how you doing today? Your fellas, doing well. Doing well, yeah. I, I think daddy duty provides a little bit more uh, – misdirection and unexpected yeah. uh circumstances but yeah it's it's fun kind of juggling everything back and forth and yeah there's there's still a signing day coming up not as big but yeah there's still going to be some action i think yo has have you been gotten yet have you been gotten yet what i mean by that i remember being in atlanta 2002 or 2003 i'm sorry and it was like March 2003. My daughter might have been like four months. And my wife, she's like, man, can you change her for me? And I'm like, yeah. So, you know, as soon as I take the diaper off, just projectile, just yeah. straight out. I'm like, <laughs> yo. And I'm like, my wife is like, that's why you take it off slow. <laughs> you hold it. See, my technique was all bad. My that's diaper right. technique was all bad. Have you, have you? experienced that yet <laughs> yes of course <laughs> especially with a boy yes, you know it's like right the angles are different <laughs> and yeah it's you're, you're more susceptible uh, let's let's call it that but yeah same thing it, it's it's trial and error i think a lot of this is trial and error uh, yeah thankfully my lady's got 
she, she has an older daughter, so she's been through it. So I'm the rookie, but I've, I've got a good coach to kind of bring me along, uh, thankfully. But uh, yeah, no, you're still you're still very vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So before you came on, a lot of noise yesterday with roster management, Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman. People upset bringing up the values of Notre Dame and how they don't like the fact that Marcus Freeman is reportedly having conversations about athletes on the roster about the reality of their career at Notre Dame. Uh, where do you fall on this, not just with Notre Dame, but as far as, you know, these conversations that, you know, to me seem to be happening pretty commonly across college football? Well, I mean, do, do you want honesty or not? You know, I, I think it's that simple. Do you do you want to be told where you truly stand, whether good, bad, or or somewhere in the middle? And I've always thought that answer should be yes in any situation. Again, we are we're bringing in college programs are bringing in players as as young men, right? Um, and the more power provided to that group, whether it's money. Um, obviously branding, fame, marketing, all these things, platforms, you've got to handle that responsibility that comes with it. And yeah, if, if things aren't going great, you deserve, your coach deserves to let you know about it. And, you know, some don't do it. I will say there are a lot of methods to approach that with, and transparency is not the most common. I would say, I think, I think, you know, college coaches ghost their current players, you know, they kind of, just ignore them. And, and that's the hint that some of them get. Uh, and oftentimes, obviously, if that's the method, you're going to get that hint later than you probably should have, which means you have less time in theory to figure out what's next for you, either at that school or somewhere else. So in my mind, and I know I'm old school, uh, side note, I was talking to my high school coach. He's, he's now coaching ball in Atlanta, and he was at the Under Armour game coaching linebackers and you know we were just reminiscing being old guys and he says man i can't even coach how i coached you because these kids these kids will run off right so you you can't on one end you can't be as tough as you used to be but on the other end you have to be communicative and you do have to let these kids know where they stand so it's hard to find that middle ground um so if you are harsh and honest and kind of NFL-like, you are viewed as, oh, this is a, a business-first professional mindset. But on the flip side, these kids want a lot of the professional benefits that come with being, in, in today's nature, a big-time college football player. So it works both ways to me. I'm always going to be in that transparent avenue. Um, I think how you communicate that, you know, maybe that's where things can be tweaked. But I would rather know where I stand uh, so I can always adjust good or bad uh, from that point. Um, so I think it's better than ghosting or just pre pretending or lying that things are good when they're not. You know, I think there's that that's the other side of this. If, if there's a coach that is afraid of some of that pushback and he might be more inclined, he or she might be more inclined to say, hey, you know what? Keep working, keep working and we'll see. When in reality, there's you've already been over recruited and then there's the portal and then there's the depth chart, you know, and then it kind of snowballs. And all of a sudden you're not even on the too deep as an upperclassman. So who, you know, who was right in that in that methodology, even though the kid was told, hey, 
everything's good, keep keep at it, and you're headed in the right direction. You know, I, I think while the story has been, hey, everyone gets this extra year and eligibility's extending longer than it ever has, on the other side of it, it's still relatively short, right? You're talking three to five or six years at the most. And I know the one Oregon transfer had like has eight years, but that's extremely rare. So you're still talking about a short amount of time where even a one year difference can make or break everything. You know, if Joe Burrow doesn't recognize after that injury that Dwayne Haskins is the guy, RIP, and he, he needs to move on, he had to have that kind of up and down year before the breakout year, right? So if he doesn't realize it at that moment, does he become Heisman winner, first pick, you know, maybe going to a Super Bowl for the second straight year type of quarterback? I'm not sure, you know, so the timing of all of this is incredibly important, even though in theory, these college careers are getting longer and longer. It's still a short amount of time. And every single really semester, I would say every semester is critical to where you stand. So if I'm a player in today's game, I want the coaches to be as transparent as possible. Hey, I know I see the recruiting class. Obviously, I was here in practice. And I see these portal additions at my position. You know, what? what is the plan for me? And if it's not aligned with my thinking, I've got to consider making a move in, in this day and age. So I think the Drew Pine example is a very good one. I think that's probably the most, the most surprising to see pushback against. I'm not sure why. I guess, what. so what's the other argument? You know, hey, you got into college, so now for four years you're good? Like, that's it? You deserve to be here? four years later, no matter what, like, I don't, I don't understand the counter argument to, to transparency. There's so many different factors and left. You can tap into this dude, because Notre Dame is different, right? Left. Like, you know, so many guys that you played with that might've left earlier, but dude, that Notre Dame degree is gold. Sure. So if you can just wait three years <laughs> and be on path to get that degree and still go play, that's what most of these guys try to do on the roster. I mean, left, am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Drew's situation with the COVID year, you know, he got to graduate in three, get an extra one, have a red shirt or something like that. So he's got some time. And I think uh, what's interesting, what is what do you think, John, is the methodology behind the the process of a guy like Mitchell from Georgia, that's a receiver, Pinnacle, mm-hmm championship team and you jump in a transfer portal what's what's the idea behind something like that well i I think from the outside looking in it was kind of what i just said at the end like i know i'm i've been the guy among the receivers even though we all know when it's a passing situation it's it's tight end first and obviously you got great backs on top of that but when it does come to wide receiver in the critical moments ad mitchell has been that guy Mm-hmm. For Georgia, the last two playoff runs, a touchdown in every playoff game, literally. Um, but then you look at what Georgia was doing simultaneously in the portal, and they they go out and get Missouri's leading receiver, Dominic Lovett, who's a real polished player at receiver. They go out and get Mississippi State's either leading or second receiver in Ra Ra Thomas, who has since run into some legal trouble. Um, and then in recruiting, they're bringing in, I think, four wide receivers. So, again, if you're A.D. Mitchell, you say, yeah, I've been that guy. Um, but it looks like there's there's going to be a whole lot more <coughs> in an offense that, again, Brock Bowers is coming back, you know. So uh, that tight end option is still there, and they've recruited the position well. So where do I really stand while you bring in two 
other SEC leading receivers that have outproduced me at other programs? Where where do I sit? And if that answer was three, four, you know, three or four at best in terms of passing options, maybe he said, hey, I need to I need to look around at an offense that's going to chuck it around a little bit more. Certainly Texas will do that in theory this coming year, even though their receiver room is pretty strong uh, as well. Um, So it's to me, it was more of what Georgia was doing during that playoff run in recruiting in the portal that maybe told him, hey, like, am I not? Am I not the wide receiver one that you envision? I'm not sure how those conversations went, but um, it was it was a late hook. I mean, he jumped in the portal and surprised a lot of people. And even at that moment, there was already Texas buzz. So, you know, every situation is unique. And I'm not sure off the field, family wise, whatever else was was potentially going on with with AD. But from a football standpoint, yeah, I'm your big time, big play clutch receiver in the playoffs. And yeah, I've been a little banged up, but now I'm healthy going into my what third year. I should really be ready to ascend. And it, it, in, in the looks and optics of the rest of the talent acquisition department, it looks like you're being replaced simultaneously. So I could see where that was a detractor for him to stick around at Georgia. Um, but again, it's not like he went to a situation where he's going to be the clear wide receiver one either. So right. yeah, there could have been more at play there. And, you know, guys, it seems to me that, you know, maybe five years ago, I would be more empathetic towards the athlete in the situation, right? Because, Malik, you said it. Yeah, coaches leave whenever they get ready. Coaching changes happen all the time. Heck, we're going to talk about what Mario Cristobal did this morning. Today, yeah. You know, know, but yet still 24 kids were coming to campus, and this is who was hosting them. So, like, (laughs) that's crazy within that. And, I mean, the 23 kids are just committed. Like, what do they do now? Because that's who they committed to on the offensive side of the ball. Things happen all the time. But I think with the transfer portal and how it's evolved uh, today, I don't have as much empathy to the players because I think now they can have that business mindset when they walk in the door and say, hey, I'm looking at how things are playing out. And I can plan out what I need to do, whether it's Notre Dame. USC, Georgia, Alabama. This is second straight year. We've seen a wide receiver leave Georgia after winning a national championship. And it's really the best of both worlds. Like, you, you want to go win. You've won. And now you can be a little selfish. A.D. Mitchell, go be selfish. Go create your brand and your production to get you to the next level to the NFL. Go do it. Like, who, who wouldn't want to have both of those opportunities in a four-year college span? It, it really lends itself to being an open market that can be beneficial not only to the coaches and the programs, but the athletes themselves. That's a great point. I mean, look look at the guys going into Georgia, right? It's the opposite. Right. Right. Dominic Love is like, hey, I've I've been the alpha. I've, I've been mm-hmm. the leading receiver, made some big plays and all that stuff. Now let me go win, you know, yeah. no disrespect to Mizzou. Let me go win a little bit more along the way. Um, so – yeah, it does work both ways. But, yeah, I agree totally. I think the way you said it, you, you can't have as much empathy now than than we used to because everybody's mobile, um, everybody's mobile yeah. at, at basically any time, right? So it's about, again, hopefully for the player's sake, a transparent situation. Hey, um, we're changing offenses or you don't fit based on the personnel compared to what we thought coming out of high school or you haven't developed to a certain – degree or whatever it is hey 
you know, it's it might be beneficial for you to consider your options, which is how I understand Notre Dame communicated with Drew. Um, and, and look, it, there's situations like that across the sport. That that's first point. Second point is, would you rather be pumped sunshine and then get into a quarterback battle where you're like the third guy, and then you're trying to portal in May as opposed to, you know, in December, January, where there's just less spots. I mean. How many quarterbacks have we seen make make verbal commitments in the portal? Half of them are enrolled already by now because um, it was a competitive year. So competitive that like a Sam Heward is still out there. You know, a former five star NFL bloodline quarterback, a lefty, of course. He's still out there with four years of eligibility. You would I would have thought, dude, he's gonna be in the portal for two days, but he's still out there. And there was like some mm. UC Davis buzz the last I saw. Wow. That's how slippery it can get if, if you wait. And he entered the portal, I think, on the last day, on December 18th. So imagine if Notre Dame pumped sunshine to Drew Pine, and now he's entering the portal either now or in May, he definitely where there's theoretically no starting spots available. Because somebody would have snatched that area on the state one. Exactly. That's a real deal. Speaking Mark of the transfer. Did him a solid, for sure. Marcus Freeman did him a solid. Absolutely. But we're known for doing guys solid at the quarterback position. Jack Cohn, I mean, doing solids. Ian doing solids. So I think Sam is going to fall in line right with that. Yeah, I'm How sure you, you guys have talked about that upgrade, but that's exciting, man. That's that's as big an upgrade, no disrespect to Drew, as, as we saw uh-huh. in the portal. Um, yeah. It, it elevates you. And there's nothing wrong with winning eight, nine, ten games. But the ceiling changes with with Sam Hartman. It, it's it's a January ceiling now, as yeah. opposed to a December ceiling. So I think that's the reason you always consider the portal, no matter your circumstances. Obviously, Tyler Buckner, interesting talent, but what about after that? So January, like the end of January, or January, <laughs> like you know, we're flirting with the first couple games in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it it could be both. Honestly, I mean, th- this is. To, to me, you make this move to to go for the playoff. I mean, that's the only reason you look to to move on and upgrade from from an interesting and and solid quarterback room with with Pine and Buckner. You go for your ceiling to achieve what you can at the highest level. And if you're Sam Hartman, you had a really good situation. You're you're the best quarterback in Wake Forest history. You're outperforming expectations every year in an offense that my gosh fits you so well. On that same token, you, you've got an NFL resume right now. You, you will find a selection somewhere, not in the beginning of the draft, but you'll you'll make some money and be on a roster in camp. The only reason you move and stay in school is to go for a, a the one thing you couldn't grab at Wake Forest, which was that that college football playoff contention. So to me, both sides were on that same note, uh, and that's why Hartman to Notre Dame was basically done before – he ever entered the portal, uh, according to reports. So, yeah, I think that's that's the goal, right? It's a year-to-year business, and we've seen these crazy jumps. I mean, TCU was 5-7 and seven in 2021. Yeah. Uh, not that Notre Dame was, was that low looking to bounce back, but like we that. know it can turn around that fast with a couple of things breaking your way. Um, and if you start at the quarterback position, I mean, that's about as ideal as possible. Now, what do you do if you're Tyler? We talked about that a little bit the other day. How would you feel? Would you transfer? And and should Marcus Freeman have that same conversation with Drew Pine with a guy like Tyler Buckner? 
Well, he's what? He's got the same amount of eligibility or more? Yeah, he still has three left, right? I think yeah, I mean, because you can I, consider I, he, he can consider this year a red shirt because he didn't play more than four games, right? So that could be a red shirt. He still has a COVID year. Yeah, or he or he could apply for medical, maybe. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. So I, I think what's it's different with Tyler, different skill set, and a different fit. When when injuries are a part of it, to me, it's you're less likely to just throw yourself in the portal because the the other teams are going to be more skeptical than your current team, right? Because your current team has all the info. Hey, th- this is how banged up you've been. This is really a major issue, or it's just coincidence, right? So I think for Tyler, it's a little different because injuries seem to be, you guys are closer than me, seem to be the biggest reason why it's been up and down for him. Um, So I think the ceiling for 24 and beyond is still there for Tyler. Now, CJ Carr is going to come in, and it's a whole different competition and situation at that point. Um, But I think you let the chips fall where they may thereafter. So for me, with Buckner, you, you sell him on let's learn from Sam and compete first and foremost, and then let's see what happens at the end of the year going into next year. And I think that will be his window to either dig his heels in at Notre Dame and hold off some interesting and, and different young competition or to move on at that point because I think he'll still have multiple years of eligibility. So it's a different it's a different feel than Drew Pine. Drew Pine, it felt like, hey, you maybe didn't plan for it, but 22 was your was your time. This was your – However many game sample to for somewhere else. <laughs> Say again. To audition for somewhere else. <laughs> well, it turned out to be that. But you know, to me, that was you have to view that as hey, this was my audition for either Notre Dame or somebody else, as you put it. So uh he obviously did that and, and he's gonna be the starter at Arizona State in, in a good offense with Kenny Dillingham. So We'll see how that works for him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it feels different with Buckner. There's still there's still unanswered questions with Buckner as to where Pine, I think we know – we kind of know where we stand uh, from a football standpoint relative to Drew Pine. And that, that question's still out there for Buckner. So, for me, it means digging in, developing, and then competing for the 24 job and in theory. And you're also, of course, the number two guy this year. You know, Notre Dame fans know very well – you're one play away on top of all of that. So I think prioritizing Buckner is probably just as important as being honest with him. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Our guy John Garcia Jr. joins us right here. Go follow State of Recruiting, Lucky Lefty, Apple Podcast, Spotify, over at CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Give us five stars. Leave your comments. We appreciate you. It's Lucky Lefty Podcast, State of Recruiting. You already know we spin it different. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Absolutely. So, John, we talked about, we teased Josh Gaddis being fired this morning. I want you to combine that with Komani McClain, Jaden Rashada. Like, it has been hectic around that program over the last couple of months. Like, how do you characterize what's happening with Mario Cristobal and the Hurricane program? I think he knows he's up against it. I mean, it's only year two. So, in, again, in theory, and Marcus is in the same position, it's like year one didn't go exactly as planned. So let's have tangible change going into year two. Because at Miami, it's it's a little different optically. Um, we know at Notre Dame, you know, the support is it's strong, right? And it doesn't move much up and down from that standpoint. At Miami, it's much more fickle. It, you better show me you're headed in the right direction down here as opposed to selling me on it. Mario's a great recruiter. He can sell folks on a lot of things. But five and seven, no bowl, and despite talent and a a decent roster, you know, hey, Tyler Van Dyke was like a projected first rounder a year ago. Despite all of those things, you bring bring in the Broyles Award winner from Michigan who, who called an offense that was worthy of a playoff spot you would have expected it to, to hit higher. Um, so when it doesn't, you've got two choices, right? You, you double down on, on those moves and say, hey, we just we need more time. Or you go a little a little more direct and you, you make changes. And, and that's the, the direction he chose. And I think a lot of it has to do with being at Miami. And he knows it as well as anybody, right? Born and raised in Miami, played there, coached there, and now he's the head coach there. Um, it, it, you don't have the same time window that you would at, at most other places where um, football is more important, athletics are more important, and the, the stability beyond all of that is is secure. It's not secure at Miami. It's getting there. They've made some changes, I think, inside that program and, and well beyond to try to push it there. Um, and we're far away from, you know, the, the 90s mantra around Miami, hey, let's shut down the program probation, all those things. Um, but still, the, the fan base, the support is fickle. You've got to physically move and adapt towards it as soon as possible because it's a pro sports town. Um, it's a town that is is in and out. There's a lot to do. Um, very few fans are alumni, which is very different compared to a lot of other schools. Um, it's a private school, but it's a small private school, right? So it's, it's very different compared to a lot of your traditional – college football power um and miami's resume says it should be it should be a power so again the belief in that direction means you you got to make moves quickly uh it doesn't always work out but i do think gaddis in particular it, it kind of makes sense for all parties um josh has he's somehow bounced around a lot um i remember him at at bama penn state of course michigan and, and miami and none of the stints were very long um so i'm not sure if that's a coincidence or not, 
Uh, he's recruited well. Uh, he obviously has has assimilated into a, a reputable play caller uh, on top of that. Um, but it's hard to do that at a new school, right, to to absorb that current roster and identify your own talent and then uh, grab them schematically into, into what you think you should be. They also had a bunch of injuries, quarterback issues, all that same stuff that, that Notre Dame kind of dealt with. Um, so maybe it's a coincidence and just kind of a down year for Josh, but he'll land on his feet. Uh, but from Mario's perspective, I understand being bold in some of these moves. Um, it sucks for some of the kids. There's no doubt. Um, like you said, you just brought in a signing class. I think half of Miami's transfers were offensive guys. So you understand that adjustment that will be had, and maybe you you lose some some players because of it. But uh, I think the ceiling with that type of roster should feel different than than what we saw in twenty one. You should you know Miami shouldn't be like outgunned, and Miami was outgunned a lot last year in, in the speed and skill position player department. It just it should never be a thing. Uh, if if Miami's going to lose, you should say, well, okay, well in the trenches. Maybe they can't hold up, something like that. It should never be – we were outclassed on the outside, and that happened a lot uh, at Miami in 20, uh, 22. So Cristobal knows it's an overhaul. Um, but at the same time, even a, an alum like that isn't going to have the benefit of the doubt for very long. And and we, we have so much evidence of these teams turning it around so quickly that it hurts a lot of these newer coaching staffs because they're expected – to do the same, especially when you've got a, a big brand name on, on your polo shirt. Now, does the administration realize they're part of the problem in Miami? That's because it's like you <laughs> keep bringing in coach after coach and nothing changes. Like eventually the light bulb has to go off. Like, wait a minute. Maybe it's, maybe it's us. Maybe we're part of the problem as well. Yeah. I think, I think that's where they're starting to turn the corner a little bit. You know, they brought in the Clemson AD, who has a Miami degree uh, right when they, right after they hired Cristobal or right before I should say. Um, so I think that the foundation is being laid, but to execute that yeah. and bridge past and present is very hard at a school that, you know, maybe not to Notre Dame's degree, but in that direction has a lot, has a lot of, of carryover from, from tradition and academia right. that has literally come out publicly and said, football is not important. You know, it's about the education. You know, the old mantra is that Miami wanted to be the Harvard of the South back in the 70s or whatever it was. A lot of those those feelings still echo when, when you go down there. There's almost like an elitist feel at, at Miami. And you see that at some high academic schools across this country. Um, and, and, and that takes away from the perception of football. When you couple that with no on-campus stadium, small enrollment, international enrollment. A lot of those boxes aren't checked from, from a traditional football uh, standpoint in terms of just the energy and the amount of people, the sheer numbers that of people who will buy into your program, whether it's with actual dollars or just with their support, it fluctuates so much there that, yeah, if the administration isn't on board on top of all of that, you're really facing a – kind of never-ending uphill battle. But I do think they're trying. They're trying to take those right steps. Cristobal wouldn't have taken the job if he didn't know those those right steps were an option. So I, I think all of that is coming into place. Look, NIL's big in Miami. Everybody knows that. So that, that stuff is on board. Uh, the Clemson AD obviously uh, has helped turn around some programs with some key hires. So I think Mario does have kind of the freedom 
to make the moves that he's inclined to make, good or bad. Um, so I do think the pressure from the AD is a little different than maybe it would have been a couple of years ago. So I do think that part of the foundation is set, but obviously there's still a lot of detractors in your own program, in your own community, and certainly amongst, you know, the rivals in, in your state, right? FSU's yeah. performing FSU's, above yeah, right. Florida, you, you feel like they can turn the corner almost at any moment. Right. Uh, they ran the ball so darn well last year. Um, if that continues, they will will kind of get back on the right track. So the, the pressure is there from, from every angle. And I think that's why you're seeing these moves, you know, quicker and sooner with a shorter leash than we would have otherwise expected. Look, the Kamani McClain thing I saw coming from a mile away. Yeah, easily. Like, as, soon, as soon as Prime took the job, I'm like, okay. I mean, he he Instagrammed the kid publicly. I don't even know if that's legal, but he did. <laughs> I wasn't shocked by that at all. Uncommitted players, next national signing day. I'll tell you one that intrigues me. And, oh, man, I wish Notre Dame was in on this kid. Nicholas Harbor, man, might be one of the best athletes we've seen at his size in the last decade. And yeah, you know, how do you think this national, this smaller version of National Signing Day is going to go with the likes of him still being uncommitted? Yeah, he's he's certainly maybe the biggest fish out there, but just a freak, right? I mean, we yeah. throw that term out too much, but he is one of those. The old school version, the new school version, however you want to quantify that word, 6'5, 233, running 10 2 in the hundred it's absurd like you you don't believe the numbers when you see them and then you're yeah, like i need too. video and then you get the video and you're like i need more video i need like more evidence here like what what yeah. was the wind looking like was there a hurricane going down like how is this how is this possible but he's putting up those those kind of marks um so obviously when you translate that over to football your brain goes everywhere you're like edge rusher a hybrid linebacker tight end receiver hybrid wh whatever you want to do Right. Guys playing on the line or quarterback, whatever you want to do, let, let us facilitate that transition. So naturally, um, a ton of interest, but he's he's a unique kid, very layered recruitment. He wants to be a surgeon. He wants to run track and he wants to play offense, uh, even though, you know, you hear six, five, two, thirty three with that type of explosiveness. And every most football minds go, I need this guy to get after the pass. Right. Right. I mean, that's, right. That's kind of the, the first step, but he wants to stay trim for track. And he thinks on offense, he can stay in that 225, 230 range and still have a big impact as, as a wide receiver, even though there's there's a lack of polish yeah, and a lot of catch. development to be had. Yeah, he, he fights the football a little bit. He's getting better. Them, but them it's fast track guys usually be having problems with their hands. <laughs> right. And then, of course, that's the other thing. Now there's this pro track element that's out there because obviously in track, if you've got those kind of goods, you can sign a deal at 18 and go mm -hmm. pro. So there's there's a lot on, on his plate. And then that has allowed his recruitment to be different compared to your normal blue blood or blue chip recruit, right? It's not Notre Dame, Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, USC. It's South Carolina, Maryland, Michigan, <laughs> Oregon. Yeah, it's, it's totally different. Uh, he's going to Oregon this weekend. That's how so Michael Bell's recruitment was. Michael Bell had like Vanderbilt, Syracuse, Notre Dame, or something like that. Like, oh. That's true. Yeah, another another track guy. Um, so he's gonna go to Oregon this weekend. Look, that's the best track facility maybe in the world. Yeah. So that will be appealing. Um, 
We just built something. We just built a nice little something, right? Retreat. It's not even close, Lev. It's not even close, Lev. I don't, look, man, it might be nicer. They host the Olympic trials at Oregon. Right, okay. right. Okay. Hey, bro, John, we, this is our running joke on the show. Like, I don't care what recruit you are. Take the official visit to Oregon. I was like, <laughs> just, just cancel it in. Take the official visit to Oregon. Get the oh, shoes. <laughs> get the perks. Just see it. Yeah. So, yeah, in the NIL era, track at Oregon is even more uh, appealing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Oregon will have have a, a fighting chance as as the last school in. There was uh, there was talk of other schools trying to get involved late. Colorado, of course, Miami tried to get involved. But if you don't get a visit from him, you're not going to grab him because he really does want to go pre-med and sit down with your. We ain't got that. So <laughs> you, he wants to sit down with the academic folks just as much as football and track. So he's he's fascinating in and of itself. He's also got a personality on top of all of this. So he will be he'll be fun no matter where he ends up. And I think the perception is that it's kind of a South Carolina, Michigan deal going into this Oregon visit. But most of us expect Oregon to you know, really knock this trip out of the park and give them a lot to think about uh, on Wednesday. So I think it'll be one of those three, um, you know, no disrespect to, to Maryland, the local school. He's a D.C. kid. Uh, so Maryland, you know, Maryland's going to have that hometown feel. But this is if you're talking going pro becoming a surgeon and being this this football unicorn you know staying close to home isn't going to be your most important criteria and he's made that pretty clear so it'll be an interesting decision but uh, you know obviously the ball is is in oregon's court uh for harbor right now man two tight ends deuce robinson walker lyons walker lyons was a you know notre dame recruited him i think mm -hmm. he decommitted from stanford so how do you see these guys deuce robinson is somebody that notre dame you know, got in on a little bit early and things just kind of fizzled down the stretch. It's rare that you see tight ends at this level, not committed this late in the game. How do you see their recruitment playing out? Yeah, and Deuce is another one where the secondary sport is a big deal. Big-time baseball recruit. Uh, I think some of the schools that he's considering now offered in baseball first. So mm. that's something that really appealed to him. I think Georgia and Texas offered in baseball first. And then football came along. Um, but really, since he visited Georgia at the end of last year, it's like, look, man, you're a tight end. <laughs> you're this hybrid pass catcher. We are we are going to throw to the tight end first. Um, it, there's been a lot of Georgia buzz since then. But before that, it was all USC. He's an Arizona kid. Um, at the Elite 11, he was one of the receivers out there just catching passes. And Caleb Williams was a counselor. And Every time Caleb threw it to Deuce Robinson, the coaches at the Elite Eleven were like, "We're going to see that in the future." So there was a there was a lot of USC buzz kind of early on there, but Georgia has kind of caught up in that regard. Uh, other schools in it, Texas, um, Oregon was trying to get a late visit. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, so I think this is a Georgia versus USC battle, and he's got ties to the South too. His dad played at FSU. Dominic Robinson, you guys might remember him. Yeah. Um, although Dominic was like what six two. Deuce is like 6'6", 230 pounds. So uh, the bloodlines jumped up a bit. Um, so so he's got some ties to to the state of Florida and kind of SEC, ACC country. Uh, but it looks like it's, you know, stay in the West Coast with USC or, or go across country to be that next West Coaster at, at Georgia. But he's done with visits, totally in evaluation mode at this point. So I'm sure 
you know, it's it's nitty gritty for him right now. He's the one, though, of these these last few guys. He's the one that isn't 100 percent set on February 1st. So he is considering maybe pushing it back. And, you know, you guys know if, if he pushes it beyond Wednesday, just like Cormani McLean, that thing can go wide open again. Oregon gets a visit. Uh, you know, he ends up visiting Colorado. It, it becomes totally wide open again. But if he does sign Wednesday, I think that Georgia momentum is is pretty real, though USC wouldn't surprise me either. And then with Walker, I don't know. He's been real quiet. Um, Stanford's still in it. You know, uh, they, they bring in Coach Taylor going to throw it a whole lot more than David Shaw did. Uh, so I think that's probably appealing to him. But at that same light, once he decommitted, a lot of folks jumped in. I think Utah, Georgia, again, uh, heavy on, on Walker Lions. Georgia's going to get one of these two guys. Um, I'm not sure if both could could end up there. They've already got a tight end signed and, and enrolled. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of cornering the tight end market right now in recruiting. Uh, so they're going to grab one of these two guys. Uh, it would be pretty surprising if they didn't. But there is a chance that that Lions ends up back at, at Stanford under the new administration. Obviously, you get into Stanford, it's just like Notre Dame. It, it, it hits different. You don't see yeah. a lot of Stanford decommitments, although the coaching change is obviously it's unique. Huge. Hey, man, I don't like what Kirby's doing. He's trying to come out there our tight end you, Monica. Yeah. You, you ask kids nowadays, and they they will throw out some teams that you're like, really, not not Notre Dame or Iowa or you know, right. yeah, Georgia's tight end. You, yeah, it's it's different. It's in my day, it's Notre Dame, Iowa, Stanford, probably. Yeah, right. It's these these kids. Remember, man, they they're born they're born post nine eleven. I mean, it's a different world. Talking to kids these days, thinking, hey, who's tight end? You, who's running back? You, DBU. Like they don't even say LSU early on yeah. in the EBU discussion. It's yeah. it's really amazing to see how that perception shifts. But yeah, Georgia's tight end recruiting is going to be okay for quite a while. Wow! As we get ready to let you go, John, you know what has amazed me the most? I saw Notre Dame offer a twenty six kid this morning, and I said to myself, "Yo, I know there's a twenty six kid here in Chicago who is the son of former Miami wide receiver Andre Brown." from the 80s, Canes. His son, Stephen Brown, is here in Chicago. He just picked up offers this week. Man. And I'm like, yo, this is <laughs> this is bananas. And But we've been hearing, like, even on the the um, the circuit, we've been hearing about Chris Henry Jr., who's the 26th son of Chris Henry Sr., who tragically died. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Pac-Man Jones Pac is kind of like Guardian. taking him under his wings. And we've been hearing buzz. And, like, when Notre Dame – when he tweeted out the offer from Notre Dame, Rocky Boyman, who's an ESPN commentator, former Notre Dame linebacker, who's in that area in Cincinnati, was like, now we're talking. And I'm <laughs> like, yo, like, this kid has that buzz, and he's a 26 kid. But, like – look just like him, too. look just like him. He great. does look just like him. 6'5", 180 already. It's, it's crazy that you have if, to get in he, this early. If he plays anything like that, people don't realize. Chris Henry Chris was. Henry was a nice. dude. Yes. He was like. Nice. A, a, DeAndre a, Hopkins. Built, he was built for this era, really. Mm -hmm. he, he was built as one of those guys. Contested. Well, he'll be Mike Williams this in this era. That's a, that's a great comp, yep. Mike Williams. Yeah, he was a Ooh. dog, man. Can you imagine? Chad, like, too? Yeah, Chad single on the other side. Oh, man. Carson Palmer was eating good. Yeah. <laughs> I think Chris Henry, losing Chris Henry and then Carson Palmer's injury just kind of derailed what what really was the renaissance 
and then it just got delayed into Joe Burrow. And yeah, and Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard in that division too. Back then, Palmer was dealing with you know the Steelers yeah. and the Ravens. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those defenses were absurd too. So yeah, Trump that division's Palmer. always been rough. But it's crazy. It's the same way, right? It was three receivers and a quarterback, and it's three receivers and a quarterback once again Killing that's bringing that renaissance to Cincinnati. With the same John, quarterback, nine. <laughs> that is the same number. You're right. Yeah. Hey, we appreciate you, bro. Once again, let everybody know what you have and uh, the shows you just posted over at CFB Nation. Yeah. Uh, State of Recruiting Pods, uh, dropping a new one here over the weekend. Last visit weekend, right? We, we talked about Nicholas Harbor. Uh, that he'll obviously come up once more, uh, but there's a lot of schools trying to grab another recruiter to, to polish off uh, these high school classes. So there's still some drama going into signing day, and we'll have it covered for you at the State of Recruiting. Of course, just like these uh, fine folks under the CFB Nation umbrella, like, subscribe, rate, all that stuff. It's growing quickly. We appreciate the support, but tell your friends to tell a friend, and let's let's grow it a little bit more. All right, John Garcia Jr., go follow him right now on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, we're telling you, he's the best in the business when it comes to college football recruiting, man. Check him out, State of Recruiting. John, have a great day, man. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, fellas. Have a good show. All right. Yes, sir. That's the big Brody, John Garcia Jr. We love having him on, bro. Always. Love, love having him on. The conversation. For reason. Yes. And hopefully everyone that was listening – the conversation and the way he pointed out how things are and how important it is to be transparent or that's what you should want as an athlete transparency from a program and a head coach and your coaches about where you stand with them within that program like that's all you can ask for at this point left yeah that's all you can ask for just the honesty because you know it's time's ticking and and the way brands are moving faster and and guys playing younger and earlier you don't got time just sitting, hoping, wait until your turn. Heck no. Heck no. Lucky. You're not an honest conversation. Man. Lucky Lucky Podcast. So, left. Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube. Follow, subscribe, hit the like button, notification bell, CFB Nation, Irish Breakdown. We spin it different.